We hope you enjoy this message from Pastor Bardwell. To hear more, please use our media player at PCAChurch.com and join us every Sunday at 1030 at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City. Now join us for the following message. Um, the Messiah, the anointed one, the spirit of God is upon me. And boy, they got mad. He went over and sat down in the chair that was reserved only for the Messiah. Woo! Religious people got ticked off. So don't get upset with change, but get upset when it comes to the eternal. The eternal. Now, if we read the book of Acts and we're true to theology, we'll find out that the anointing, the Holy Spirit, is not just for one generation, but for every generation thereafter. Okay? Interpret it however you want to, but that's what it says. And then it says that we too are to be empowered with this initial physical evidence of speaking in tongues. That's how everybody else knows physically what happens to us spiritually. And then we can use that gifting, that anointing, to help us to continue to be disciplined. I know this may not be shouting preaching, but I'm gonna get to some shouting in a minute. We gotta lay the foundation. Listen, I believe that as Christians, we need to be disciples, disciplined people. Then we get a mighty anointing upon us. Then we can live in power and anointing and discipline because we are enabled by the Spirit of God to do what we cannot do in the natural. We are now supernatural. So we have this going on, but now we don't hear much about the proclamation of the power of the Holy Spirit. Why? My personal conclusion is that the Holy Spirit is uncontrollable. He is uncontrollable. He is the third person of the Trinity. We hear about God, we hear about Jesus, but we don't talk much about the Holy Spirit because he is uncontrollable. Now we are in a generation, a society of church now to where everything is fairly controlled because we have multiple services and we've got to get you out and get other people in. So we don't allow the uncontrollable to come into controllable situations. You may say, Pastor, is this happening? Absolutely. I had a former deacon go to an assembly of God church and they joined the choir the second Sunday and the choir director told them, you may go, choir? Yeah, churches still have choirs. And the choir director told them straight up, eyeball to eyeball. He said, listen, if you have any, any inclination to have a message in tongues or interpretation, you are not to do that. Suppress it. We do not allow that to happen in our Sunday morning services. So can I tell you that as Assembly of God people, they left. Why? Because they want to make sure that we still have the uncontrollable in our services. You see, the Holy Spirit is likened unto three things in the Bible. Oil, water, and wind. All three become uncontrollable. Oil just gets everywhere. The anointing in the Old Testament, symbolic of the new, was they had more like a five-gallon bucket of oil and all the spices, and they poured it from the top of their head, and it pulled up around their feet. That's the anointing God's talking about, where it ran down Aaron's beard and puddled up. God wants us to be anointed from the top of our head to our feet so that everything in my, our thought life, our, our walk, our talk, our hands, our eyes, our ears, our, everything about us is anointed by God. 
We need to have that anointing in our services. Have you ever heard somebody pray and you feel nothing? Somebody sing and you feel nothing. But then somebody else pray and you feel something. Somebody else can sing the same song and you feel something. The difference is the anointing. I prayed years ago, God never let me preach a sermon. Sermons are dimes a dozen. I want messages to where your Holy Spirit takes the word and empowers it to every individual as they have need for it to empower to them. I grew up watching the Holy Spirit change people's lives and life situations. We birthed a church. We were so dependent upon the Holy Spirit. We had so many miracles. You may say, why do things happen then and don't happen now? Because we don't want it so much. Just being honest. How many of you walked in here today and go, I cannot leave here today unless God performs this miracle in my life. I cannot leave. I'm that desperate for a healing. I'm that desperate for a fresh anointing from God. I am so desperate. I don't care what the preacher preaches on. I'm running to that altar. I'm crying out to God. And God, I gotta get full of the Holy Ghost because if I don't get it, I'm not gonna make it. We come in a lot of times with, I know they're gonna sing four or five songs. We're gonna have announcements. We're gonna have pastor talk a little bit. And then 12 o'clock, we're out of here, baby. Let's go. That's okay. I understand. I live life too. But something has been grabbing my spirit lately saying, we're losing a generation. We've gotten comfortable in our chairs. We've gotten comfortable in our life situations. And pastor, we need a revival once again to break out to show the next generation that there's something more to what we've got than just singing and just talking. There's something that we have, we've got to give to the next generation. The anointing, the power, the desire to want God more than anything else. The desire to show them, this is how you praise and worship God. This is how you pray. And this is what it's like to hear a preacher get on fire with the anointing and the power of the Holy Ghost. We need that today. We've got to have anointing, but we've got to be disciples. Then in addition to the 12, there was this other guy who shows up as an apostle. His name was Saul. He was persecuting the church. He was killing Christians. But, but one day on a road to Damascus, God knocked him down. Got his attention. Blinded him. And here's what Jesus said. Jesus, the resurrected Jesus, spoke to Paul that day. And he said, you have been persecuting me. Read it. He didn't say you've been persecuting these Christians. You have been persecuting me. And I want to tell you something today. This is where I'm going to start preaching. I'm going to get excited right about here. Listen, the Bible says, don't touch my anointed. You are anointed by God. Somebody goes to touch you, they ain't touching you. They're touching Jesus. Somebody goes to touch me, and listen, I get touched all the time. 
people, people's lying about me, talking about me, criticizing my messages, criticizing the way I wear my hair, the way I wear my shirts, the, how come I'm not wearing a suit? If I do wear a suit, why are you wearing a suit? Oh, I mean, there's nothing I can do that doesn't get criticized on Sunday afternoons and Monday, Tuesday through Saturday. But when you're touching me, you ain't touching me. You better be careful because you're touching Jesus Christ, the King of kings and the Lord of lords. So you better not touch the anointed because it ain't going to be good. And when the enemy tries to touch you, Jesus shows up and says, why are you persecuting Pastor Bardwell? Why are you persecuting Miss Kitty? Why are you persecuting Dr. Real? I don't know why, but you're not touching them. When you touch them, you're touching me and you better get your hands off. We got to understand, we got somebody fighting bigger than us. We don't need to walk around all beat up. We need to walk around going, hey, wait a minute. I'm on the side that wins every time. You may knock me down, but I'm getting up here anointed and powered by the power of the Holy Spirit, and you better watch out what I'm about to do. Hallelujah. The Bible says this about Paul. I mean, it's not too complimentary. Paul was always having a credibility problem too with all the other disciples. They go, we, we, we know about this disciple, we know about this disciple, but who are you? Paul, the Bible says, other theologians talk about, he's not much to look at, okay? <laughs> Jesus wasn't much to look at it either, was he? That's what the Bible says. So whenever you see these beautiful pictures of him, probably not real accurate. Paul was nothing to look at. He was a short little, probably dumpy little guy, nothing to look at. He looked in the mirror and go, oh. And the Bible even talks about it, wasn't a good preacher. You may say, Pastor, how do you know? I know this because he was preaching one time and there's a boy sitting in the second story window and he fell out of the window because he fell asleep. That's not very good preaching when you can't keep the attention of somebody that's pretty young. They can stay awake for a little while. The boy fell out of a second story window and it killed him. How would you like to be in that service? Paul's not much to look at. Not a great orator. But when Paul started walking down those steps, whoo, and when Paul knelt down beside that little boy and put his hands on him, and when Paul began to cry out, all heaven took note and that resurrecting power that was inside of Paul because he said, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection. That resurrection power and anointing began to flow out of Paul and it flowed into that little boy and all of a sudden you heard this. <gasps> And he stood up. Can you imagine what kind of church happened then? Hallelujah. They weren't worried about snacks. They weren't worried about 12 o'clock. They was worried about, I want what you got, Pastor. I want what you got, Paul. You may not be nothing to look at. You're not that good a speaker. But you've got something welling up inside of you, pouring out all over you, and I want what you got. And today, people need to want what we have. I'm about to get to my title and my message in my scripture. Acts 19, 1 says this. Let's read it together. While Apollos was at Corinth, Paul took the road through the interior and arrived at Ephesus. There he found some disciples, disciplined men, and he asked them, Dude, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And they answered, no. 
We have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. And that struck a chord in my heart. How many in our churches today have not even heard that there is a Holy Spirit? They go on to say, we, we got the baptism from John. Well, that's baptism under what? Repentance. Wonderful that you repented because you're disciples. But you need something to live with. You need something to empower you to live and to be a victorious man or woman of God because all of hell is gonna come against you as a disciple. And you need the power within you to resist and to win this battle. And it says this, and when Paul laid his hands on them, they received the Holy Spirit and they began to speak with other tongues. When Paul did what? Laid his hands on him. We have an altar area, but we don't have altars anymore. That scares me a little bit, but change happens. Because an altar is a place of sacrifice. An altar is a place where I come and my flesh gets cut off. And I leave it there and gets consumed in the fire of the Holy Spirit. And I walk away more spiritual than I am flesh. But people today don't want to get touched. You're going to put oil on me? Yeah, that's going to mess up my makeup. I don't want anybody touching my hair. I don't want to leave looking a mess. You see, I grew up in a time when women left looking a mess. Man, I, I, we, would, we would hide under the pews because we'd be getting hit by bobby pins because women's hair's getting shouted down. And they're going everywhere. And remember when they used to wear wiglets? Those things went flying out too. And, and, and man, you see this black streaks all the way down people with girls' faces. I mean, that mascara was not waterproof, baby, and it ran everywhere. But they didn't care because they had the biggest smile on their faces. They had a glow about them of the Holy Spirit. I remember going to a Wednesday night service and the Holy Spirit broke out in that place uncontrollable because you can't control the wind. It goes where it wants to go, however it wants to go, as long as it wants to go. And the wind blew through that church. We left about midnight. Me and Sandy were dating. She tried to say goodbye to me about 10 different times and every time all she could do was speak in the presence of the Spirit of God. After she got home about an hour later, about one or two o'clock in the morning, she calls me. She says, hey, and then just begins to speak in another unknown language again. Why? Because she's so full of the Holy Spirit, she can't even speak in English anymore. Why? Because she's a temple of the Holy Spirit. We need young people to have those experiences say, hey, when I go to church, I don't know what's gonna happen because the uncontrollable is gonna show up and mess up everybody's makeup and mess up everybody's hair and people are gonna be going crazy. Why? Because we are birthed in the power and the anointing of the Holy Ghost, the Holy Spirit of God, and that is who we are. That's who we are. That's our heritage and I'm afraid we're not giving it to the next generation. We need to. The Bible says they spoke in tongues and then they prophesied. Prophecy is not fortune telling. It's not sitting around going, let me tell you your future. Prophesying means to set things forth, to get them set in order. 
In other words, now their lives are getting put in order now that they're baptized in the Holy Spirit. Now they not only have the discipline, but they have the power to enact that discipline in their lives. We need to prophesy over our homes. Listen, moms and dads, moms, dads, you've got to set your home in order. If it's out of control, it's your fault. Discipline. Come on, I'm just telling truth. I mean, we don't want to hear some of these things. We've got to set things in order. Our, our, our teenagers are not the bosses in the house. Our little kids are not the bosses. And, well, I've got to do this. And I, why? Because the kids. No. You're the adult. You're the big person. You set things in order. Joshua said, as far as me and my house goes, we will serve God. You get those little booger heads up on Sunday morning whether they want to go to church or not and you put some clothes on them and you drag them kicking and screaming because it's the best thing you can do as a mama or a daddy is get your family in church. Come on. You need to tell them you got to be at home on Saturday night in time because you're getting up on Sunday morning and going to church. See a lot of parents walk in, where's your teenagers? Well, well, nothing. Get, the, get in there and get that little song. We used to have a little song. Little birdie with the yellow bill hopped up on my windowsill, cocked his tiny head and said, aren't you ashamed, you sleepy head? Get up, get up, get out of bed and go to Sunday school. <laughs> I woke up my kids with it every Sunday morning. Did they like it? No. <laughs> They're 17. Little birdie with the yellow bill. <laughs> I prophesied I'm getting my house in order. I am in control of my house. I'm a parent. I'm the big person. And then we need to prophesy over our marriages. This is how we set these things in order. Men, rise up. Be the man of your house. I mean, we got to get some testosterone, spiritual testosterone, back into our men. Be the man. But also, do what you're supposed to. Don't just be like, well, I'm the man. Submit, woman. Don't do that. Unless you're doing everything else and then you don't have to tell to submit. They'll do that with, without any issues. Why? Because she wants to be biblically a wife and she wants to set her life in order and your kid's life in order and you gotta set your finances in order. Well, we can't tithe. Well, you can if you set it in order. If the first goes to God, everybody can tithe. Now, I'm preaching to a church I'm telling you the truth. Discipline yourself. The first 10% goes to God. It's not an option. It's not a discussion. This is what it is. Then the 90%, if we want to mess around with that, we can. But that first 10%, not mine. Discipline. Discipline. Well, we've got to set our finances in order, set our kids in order, set, our, set your job in order. Be the best employee or the best employer ever. Show up early, leave late. Work harder than everybody else. Have a great attitude. Your boss tells you to do something. Yes, sir. Yes, ma'am. Whichever it may be. If you're the boss, you tell somebody to do something, set them in order. You're my employee. I'm your employer. Today we got employees telling the employers what they're going to do. No, don't work that way. That's not the way God sets it up. God will not honor things that are not put in order. We've got to do this today. Why? Because we have the anointing. We need to prophesy over our churches. Yes. We are a church. We are not a source social organization. We are not a clique. We are not something just to be joined. Used to we grow up and people have 100 people in church. How many members? 6,000. Because if, even if they die, they didn't take them off the membership roll. 
We have less members than we do people who attend our church. Because to be a member, you better straighten up. <laughs> Come on. I'm not going to get amen, I know. I'm just telling you the way it is. We need to be disciplined. We need to be anointed by the Holy Spirit. We need to be following the, the word of God. So Acts 19, 13 through 16, I'm finally getting to my text that I want to ask him. You ready? Read this with me. Some Jews who went around driving out the evil spirits tried to invoke, tried to invoke the name. The name is what? Jesus. If you ain't Jesus, don't try. If you're not a child of Jesus, don't try. Because he knows who his family members are. They tried to invoke the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of Jesus, whom Paul preaches about. I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a Jewish chief priest, were doing this. So you got a Jewish priest who probably doesn't even believe that Jesus is the Messiah. You got these other guys who thought, hey, we can make a living doing this. So let's try this. We saw Paul do this. It's a pretty good trick. So they go over there and go, in the name of Jesus, command you, come out. Well, guess what? They weren't disciples. They were not anointed. And so the evil spirit answered them. <laughs> Woo, won't that blow your mind? I've had the evil, the evil answer me. I've had people contort in all kinds of positions. I've heard all kinds of voices come out. And in that moment, you don't run. What are you going to do when evil answers you? And here's what the evil said. Hey, uh, Jesus we know. Paul, we know him. But who are you? Who are you? So the question is, does hell know you? Does hell know you? So that when you get into your place of meeting with your King of kings and Lord of lords, when you get into that Hebrews place where he tells you as a child of God, you have the permission to walk boldly into my throne room. When you get into that throne room and you say the name of Jesus, does all of heaven and hell know you? When all of a sudden you've got issues in your marriage, you've got issues in your family, you've got issues in your finances, you've got issues with your help, and all of a sudden you get into that time where you're praying, does all of hell begin to say, oh, wait a minute, he just said the name of Jesus. Wait just a minute, she just called upon the name of Jesus. We got trouble, we got problems, because that which we were trying to destroy them with, God is about to turn this thing around and cause it to be good. What we were trying to discourage them with, they're about to get in power. They're about to get into the presence of God and that anointing will break the yoke of bondage. That anointing will tear down and break every chain. That anointing will cause prison doors to be opened. That anointing will cause the dead to rise, the blind to see, the deaf to hear, and the mute to speak. What about that? They're on their knees. They just called out Jesus. Does hell get upset when you get on your knees? Better if not, we need to repent and get on our knees today and say, God, I want to make sure all of hell knows my name. They may say, Paul, I know. Jesus, I know. Pastor Bard, well, I know. But who are you? 
Who are you? And the evil spirits came out, stripped these guys of their clothing, and they ran through town naked. You don't play around with the devil. People go, I'm just going to play church. You can play church all you want to, but don't play around with evil because it'll rip you up and tear you up and send you down the road. You can act like a lot of things. I've had people tell me all the time, must be nice to be the preacher. You don't know what it takes to be a preacher. You don't know all the hell I gotta go through to get to the pulpit on Sunday morning. You don't know all the hell brings against me and my family first before it ever comes out to you. You don't understand what it takes to be a preacher. You may go, I'd like to be on Sunday morning up the one up there talking because then you can say what you want to say and quit what you want to quit and that's a pretty good deal right there. Hey, be careful because you can't act like a preacher. There's a lot of people can act like a lot of things. You can act like a, you know, a politician. You can, you can act like a lawyer. Don't act like a doctor if you're not a doctor. But You can act like a lot of things but don't act like a child of God if you ain't one. And if you are a child of God, act like it. And if you are a preacher, act like it. We have Assembly of God ministers today falling left and right every week, falling, 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 falling. Why? Because they've gotten out of needing God and the anointing and they just can do it without God. We got 50 minutes, got this singing, got the lights, we got the cameras, we got the fog, we got all this, and I got 15 minutes of something to say. It's gonna make everybody feel good today. They're out of here. But what's going on in the preacher's life? Pornography is destroying pulpits faster than anything else today. Adultery, destroying embezzling funds from the church, destroying preachers and pulpits today. I'm concerned about the church because the church is the bride of Christ. And you don't touch the bride of Christ. You don't mess with her. You don't touch the anointed. You don't touch the anointed's money. You don't touch the anointed's kids. You don't touch the anointed's marriage. You don't touch the anointed's house and cars and the way they look and the way they dress and the way they talk. Why? Because you're not touching them. You're touching Jesus. We've got churches falling today, emptying out because people would rather have entertainment than the Holy Spirit. And people are asking today, what is this Holy Spirit? What is this Holy Spirit? I'm glad God used Paul. I'm so glad. Such a, it's such an inspiration to me. I'm so glad that he used somebody that didn't look very good and couldn't talk very good. He did not have oratorical skills. I look at myself all the time and I wonder, how could God ever use me? Because I was born in the backwoods of Mississippi. And that's a lot of backwoods back there. I was born back there. I was born very poor. I didn't know how to talk. Didn't know how to communicate. But at an early age, I watched 
God do things in the natural realm that could only be supernatural. And I watched God change situations. God changed lives. And I said, I want that. I want that in my life. And I thank God for some little old ladies that got around me and pushed me down, held me down until I got endued with power from on high. And ever since then, I've said, God, I want to be filled fuller and I want to overflow. I never want to preach in my own ability. I don't want to live any day of my life in my own ability because you know what? I'll mess it up. I don't want to make decisions in my life without the guidance of the Holy Spirit because I will mess it up. Because I've done that before and I've messed it up. I don't want to try to worship God without the anointing because then it's just singing. It's not worship. If you want to come in here and hear a sermon, you're at the wrong church. If you want to come in and I, I don't make you feel uncomfortable at some point in the, in the message, you're in the wrong church. Because I hope every Sunday somewhere somebody gets uncomfortable. Because if not, I'm not doing my job. Because I want you to mature. I want you to grow up. I want you to find something in your life. An area of your life that goes, I got to get that better. Every day of my life, I got to get something better in my life. I got to cut away more flesh. Because you see, if I'm going to be anointed, I've got to be disciplined. I've got to first discipline my flesh before I can be anointed in the Holy Spirit. I found people who tried to have the anointing without the discipline. It doesn't work. I've tried people who, who wanted the discipline but didn't want the anointing. That doesn't work either. I mean, they pray a good prayer. They can say a good few words. And boy, sounds really good but it didn't do anything. And I want you when you leave to go, wow. And I want everybody to say something different because it's to you individually. Maybe there's some of you here today been saved ever since Jesus was here. I don't know. Oh, I'm, I'm glad the preacher was talking to all the young people today because uh, they need it. No, I'm talking to you. I said it Wednesday night. If you're alive, God ain't through with you. Don't say, well, I've done my part, I've served my time. No, if you do that, you're dead. God doesn't want to have an earth full of a whole bunch of people that aren't needed or useful. When he's finished with you, when you've finished your race, you die. Until you finish that last step of the race, you're racing. Last time I checked. We've got younger people who go, I, don't, I, just, I just, you know what, we have a generation that don't even know why they go to church. Why do you need to go to church? I, I can do life without church. I don't need to go to church to live. My generation, I can't live if I don't go to church because I need to know what God is saying to me now. I need the Holy Spirit to change something in me now. So I thank God that he uses people that aren't that much to look at. I'm glad that he uses people that may or may not know how to communicate. 
I heard a saying when I was just a young boy and it stuck with me all my life. He is Lord of all or not Lord at all. We need to return to our roots. We are the assemblies of God. If we walk into an assembly of God church and we don't have the uncontrollable, we should be concerned. But the uncontrollable does not fit within the controllable. So if we want to control everything, you have just controlled the uncontrollable out. We need to make sure that all of hell knows who we are. Jesus I know and Paul I know, but who are you? We need to return to discipline. We need a fresh anointing of the Holy Spirit. We need an uncontrollable back in our services. We need the uncontrollable to control our tongues, our bodies, our thoughts, our relationships, our finances, our social media, our churches. And once again, we need Pentecost to happen in our Pentecostal churches. I gave you an opportunity. Let me give you grace. Because at this point, I think everybody should stand and applaud the orator. Oh God, we need Pentecost again in our Pentecostal churches. Come on. Give you a chance. Come on. Come on. Come on. We need the uncontrollable, we need the unpredictable. We need the wind, we need the water, we need the oil of the Holy Spirit. Hallelujah. Join us anytime at PCAChurch.com and every Sunday at 2313 East Prospect in Ponca City.